Hello and welcome to another edition of the Scarlet Nation Podcast. I'm Bobby Darren here for 24-7 Sports. Uh, ScarletNation.com to be more specific. Uh, we're here to talk Rutgers football. A lot going on. We're in the dog days of August, the middle of training camp. A lot going on. Rutgers coming off its first scrimmage. Uh, a lot to talk about with the first game looming on September 2nd or September 3rd. Excuse me. It's a Sunday. Rutgers is going to be the only game on during that 12 o'clock window against Northwestern. A uh, whole country you'd be able to tune in and watch Rutgers versus Northwestern. But we're getting a glimpse early uh, by we. I say me and my man, Chris Sakonis, who's here to join me. Uh, it's been, you know, halfway through camp. We've been there, you know, every day the media is permitted in to watch the entire practice. So we're getting a good feel for the team. So, Chris, uh, thanks for coming on board again. How are you? Doing good. We're definitely getting into the busy season now with training camp and everything. So uh, things are picking up, Bobby. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's been interesting to watch some of these new guys, to watch some of the, the returning guys develop. Um, first scrimmage, Chris, I know a lot of people were, were curious about what happened. Uh, we can only report so much, you know, um, uh, they had the first scrimmage on on Saturday, long scrimmage, we were there, but that's that's kind of to be expected. I've been doing this a lot of years, and and you know, Chris, the first one, Greg likes to go a long time. Um, you know, I know there was some some uh, some disgruntled uh, readers interpreting what happened, and like I said, we're just a limited amount of people. You know, we were there, me, you, Brian Doan, a couple NJ.com guys, and my man Chris from uh, Asbury Park Press. So it's a limited, small media contingent to what gets out and. And Greg Ciano doesn't like a lot of stuff to get out. So we're limited and we can't. We apologize for that, you know, but, um, you know, we are able to talk some of the stuff about it, you know, and, and one of the most popular topics, Chris, was Gavin Wimsett. And, you know, a lot of people are saying it was unfavorable. Greg said he was sped up. And uh, I know a lot of people took, uh, you know, took uh, notice of that and were concerned. But, you know, I think back and sped up. I interpret it, you know, just just excited. Uh, remember when Brett Favre used to play, come out and make like three <laughs> throws over the top of receivers' heads because he was so amped up at the beginning. Uh, that's what I likened to, Chris. Likened it to Chris. I didn't see a sped up guy throughout the whole game, you know, um, or throughout the whole scrimmage. So uh, I, I think that was that was kind of maybe a little too much worry for what really happened. Yeah, I have to agree with that, Bobby. I mean, watching uh, Gavin throw the ball, I didn't really see, you know, I didn't see anything that really matched what I was reading in terms of the reaction from fans. And look, fans are, you know, understandably, they want to see big improvement from Gavin Wimsett this year. Um, they want to see him take those strides forward. And understandably, there's a little bit of nervousness. But I mean, from what you and I saw, uh, at the scrimmage, I, I honestly was not concerned at all. I actually think that, you know, there there's plenty of reason for optimism that Gavin's going to be a much improved quarterback under center for the Scarlet Knights this fall. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how his development and how his play continues to progress as we get closer and closer to opening day. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I like to, when I watch these scrimmages, to really look at the context of the situation. So, you know, if you look at a guy like Gavin, you know, he had some receivers drop passes. He had some receivers covered in certain situations on, on the RPO. They're not running the quarterback. So the defense knows he's not taking off with the ball. So, um, you know, you really have to put it in context, too. I mean, uh, what happened and what the situation was. And, and I think I saw an improved quarterback with a lot of potential. I mean, this kid's only 19 years old. 
um, you know, and I, I got to, you know, all the physical tools to, to make it happen. Willie, I don't know, you know, um, it remains to be seen because things change when you start getting hit in the face, but he will be able to take off and run. It's a different element. Uh, he will probably face a defense that is not as good as this Rutgers one. Um, he will face cornerback that don't know the routes that receivers are running. When you have uh, veterans like Robert Longer Beeman and Mac Melton back for four seasons, I mean, sometimes they know what's going on just from being there and being so savvy being around a team. So you have to put that in context when you watch it. So, and that's what I try to do on Saturday, you know, and and really gauge where where everything is at. But I, I didn't see any cause of concern for for people to say, "Oh, Wimsett, not that, not this." I think we're going to see a much improved version of him. I don't know how high that ceiling will be, Chris, but I do know that I think we will see a, a better version of him. And what we saw last year, and I think a lot of that, too, has to do with the coaching that, that came on board. Kirk Soraka is developing a lot better than Sean Gleason, developing him a lot better than Sean Gleason did. Yeah, and I mean, Kirk Soraka, again, not just as an offensive coordinator, but also as a quarterback's coach. So he's spending even more time with you know Gavin Wimsett and the rest of the quarterback room um, than your average offensive coordinator would. So that's another factor to keep in mind. You've got a new offense coming in, a new system. Uh, they started implementing and, and going through, um, you know, the offseason process and you know through spring practice and all that. Now we're in training camp, so the group is getting more adjusted. Then you've got the freshmen that weren't uh, involved, that didn't enroll early uh, in spring ball. They're also getting to the mix. Um, so those are other factors to keep in mind, too. But, yeah, I can't really find anything to disagree with, Bobby. I think um, – you know, I think you're right. I think he's going to make a, a good amount of progress. It's not entirely clear how much he's going to be. I think we really just have to wait until the season actually starts before we get a good read on that. Because as you said, you know, a scrimmage is not a game. You can only take away so much from it. Um, but from what I saw, just to reiterate, I don't really feel there's that much of a cause for concern at this point. And, you know, another thing I'd like to mention about Kirk Soraka, uh, it seems like the players have taken to him a lot more than they've took to Sean Gleason. No disrespect to Sean Gleason, but there's more of a a trust and and a camaraderie between the players and him, and you could just see it. And and you know, even after practice on Monday, he was out there throwing passes, staying late, and he's one of the last coaches off the field, one of the last guys off the field. You know, um, just uh, it's a different dynamic with him in there. It's a different offense, and I think this offense is starting to build an identity. Um, you know, when Sean Gleason was here, I, I don't know that you could look at that offense and say, yeah, this is what they do. This is the identity of kind of all over the place, you know. I mean, even even the shuffling of the quarterbacks. Last year, would they play three quarterbacks in the first four or five plays in the opening game? Um, that's not much of an identity. I know there was an injury to Noah Vedral, but um, it, it, just, it just seemed discombobulated. And like I said, there wasn't that, cohesiveness that i've seen with that and um you know i also uh give a shout out to dave brock at the wide receiver position he's really intense and really on those guys uh, um you know like watching him coach as well he's a fiery guy and and he you talk about attention to detail it's there and you know it's there <laughs> um so uh i think he's an upgrade there as well and and you know and demir shaw's doing a good job back with the running backs. so i think the coaching on the offensive side of the ball not even get into pat flaherty yet with his experience and his expertise so i think that's going to make a big difference chris and and, and you'll see it 
you should see it show up against Northwestern. Like I said, it, it remains to be seen how it's going to go when the lights come on. But uh, it just seems like that whole coaching staff is is an improvement. Yeah, I think you summed it up pretty well. You know, it does feel like there's more buy-in with uh, Kirk Chiraca. I think, you know, I, I, I'd feel confident that when they take the field against Northwestern, you're going to see a team that is more, um, like you said, has more of an identity. I think that identity will fit the strengths of the offense. Um, you know, Rutgers yeah. has, I think, a pretty talented running back room. I think that Rutgers is going to do a much better job utilizing the run game. And mm-hmm. that goes back to the cliche about complimentary football. If, you know, the running back room is in sync and, you know, the offensive line can take some steps forward, that's going to make life a lot easier for Gavin Wimsett uh, when he drops back to pass. And, you know, for those receivers as well, it's going to create better matchups for them, more favorable defensive setups. Um, so that kind of thing can really reverberate around your offense. Um, and I, I also want to agree on the, uh, on the coordinators, you know, or the assistants rather, um, you know, a lot of new faces there. And, you know, Pat, to talk about Pat Flaherty yesterday, I uh, talked for a few minutes with uh, Tyler Needham, who's battling for a starting spot on the right side of the offensive line. And, you know, he was talking about how, you know, you've got a guy who has won Super Bowls with the Giants and, you know, has done a lot of other things at a lot of other different places. Um, when you have someone of that pedigree, you know, that just, you know, in addition to just the coaching skills, it also gives you that sort of boost. Like, hey, I'm learning from someone who has really been there and done that. Um, and you've got yeah. other assistants on the coaching staff with NFL experience as well. You know, that, that's the kind of thing that, you know, I think can really help Rutgers in terms of, you know, their status as a developmental program, as Greg Shana likes to talk about it. Uh, and I think that that's going to be a big benefit for Rutgers in the long run. Yeah. And, um, you know, I wholeheartedly agree with you, Chris. And, um, you know, one of the other interesting points that come out of the the scrimmage was Jay Patel now as a starting place kicker. And and we've seen him, you know, through spring practice, kind of narrow that gap to do McAdamy. McAdamy, I'm sorry, I always say McAdamy. That's my Philly coming out of me. So, um, you know, uh, it, it was it was a close competition in the spring, and, and you saw Jay just coming on. I mean, now this is a kid who it was just a true freshman last year. You know, prior to his arrival at Rutgers, you know, was in the hospital with a collapsed lung, so he had to do some, you know, healing up and then you know get stronger again. And and he did that last year. And, and Jude has a lot more you know experience. I mean, he's older. You know, he's, he's you know. And Jay's, you know, 19 years old and, and you see the, the progress. I think it's very exciting because you saw these guys going back and forth, hitting, hitting long field goals. But but Jay is just really uh, good getting it between the uprights, too. And, and you see his leg getting stronger and stronger. And I think that was a, 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 a it was a bit a bit of a surprise, but it wasn't because we saw his you know evolution. But um, I think it's a real positive thing because you have two kickers with with legs that, that can go well beyond 40 and um you know as long as they keep it straight you know it, it could really help because you know Rutgers could start start knocking down some long field goals if some drives stall you know um where they get to the red zone yeah and Rutgers had and of course quarterback play is going to be a big factor in this as well but Rutgers had a couple games last year where you look back and you say hey they were only lost by a couple points there were a couple pivotal moments in certain mm-hmm. drives or certain plays where if Rutgers could either get you know say an extra made field goal or two, or, you know, another touchdown here, if they converted on this fourth down, for instance, like, you know, another cliche football is a game of inches. It really is. And something like that, an improved kicking game 
uh, not just in terms of field goals, but also in terms of field position off of kickoffs. That's the kind of mm-hmm. thing that also is going to um, really, I think, help make the difference. And if Rutgers could stay, take steps forward there, um, that's also going to pay dividends on the back end. And especially with this defense that Rutgers is bringing, which I think is really the most exciting part of the team. Um, you know, if the offense can take some steps forward, I think the defense could really, uh, really take them uh, a lot of the way. Yeah, and you know that's the next point I wanted to talk about. You know, it, this defense is expected to be really good, but it's also important to to keep in mind that they're only as good as the, the offense will allow them to be. And and by that I mean you can't have three and outs, three and outs, three and outs, and expect this defense to to not get gassed, to not give up a big play here or there. So they're going to have to. Uh, you know, be helped out by that offensive unit. But there's a lot to like with this defense. I mean, you look at that defensive line and, and they're starting not only to have good quality NFL potential guys, but you're also building depth behind it. You know, um, last year, you know, you were using two linebackers and beyond Deion Jennings and Tyreen Powell, who were both first time starters last year. It was, it was kind of a question mark. You know, you had to convert Jameer Wright Collins to linebacker and hope that he gets it. You know, you had to thrust Austin Dean, who's not even here anymore, into the mix. Uh, Dario Dejaboom, who uh, came in as a true freshman from Canada late in the summer. Um, you know, he played 12 games last year. I mean, mostly special teams, but he's the guy you have, you know, right behind you in case, you know, one of your starters go down or right behind, you know, the starters. So this year you see all the depth just at the linebacker position. Moses Walker, Moore is back. Um, you have, uh, you know, Dario from Canada, who's who's a year more experienced. You have Abram Wright, who's a promising true freshman who you don't hear about. But, you know, you will in the future just because of the depth. So um, Jameer Wright Collins is back as well. So just just looking at that, um, I, I think that the depth speaks volumes to, to, you know, the progress. But, you know, can this defense carry a team to a 9-6 win if the offense, you know, bottoms out during a game or is stymied by a good Big Ten defense? I don't know that yet. But you have to like the pieces that are in place right now. Yeah, and I, I guess just to flip that to a more optimistic spin is, you know, if Rutgers' offense can, you know, be – they don't have to light the world on fire offensively. That's the benefit mm-hmm. of having the defense that Rutgers has is they don't have to light um, – really, 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 you know, be like this elite offense necessarily. If they can put drives together, stay on the field – um, and put points on the board, you know, that defense gives you a lot of leeway uh, to continue to grow and continue to develop. So if the offense, as you said, you know, it, it can't be three and out, three and out, three and out, because, you know, it doesn't matter how good your defenders are. If they're on the field for, you know, over, you know, a good amount more than half of the time, uh, they're going to get worn down and come end of the third quarter, fourth quarter. Um, that's when games start to get away from you. But if the offense can get away from that and really take that next step, I think it's going mm-hmm. to be, a lot easier for Rutgers to compete in those games where, you know, maybe it got away from them a bit late. Yeah. And, you know, the defense, we, we watched the scrimmage. We didn't see all the, all the, you know, veteran guys playing a ton and rightfully so you're not going to risk a guy like Aaron Lewis or Wesley Bailey getting hurt for being out there too much. You know what you have for him. You know, Greg Schiano said before, if you have so many cumulative reps, you know, they're not going to need to risk them in a scrimmage to to know what they got they'll get in there get a few hits and you know get out to get out of there guy like mac melton you don't need to but um you know towards the end you're seeing a lot more third and four stringers play and i I think some of them didn't play as well as greg would have liked so when he spoke afterwards he might have been a bit dour on that unit um but those guys you're not going to see on saturdays this year i think that's also important to point out because i know 
after watching the presser, a lot of people were kind of down and saying, oh, he was kind of down on him. But you're coming off the field at the end of a scrimmage and you're you typically not watching a ton of first team stuff because you got your, you know, your guys playing, your developmental guys that, that probably are going to be wearing different numbers in a few weeks, in a couple weeks, and probably even less than that, because when camp ends, those guys who are not going to, to play this year uh, are not likely to play are going to be scout team guys. So their numbers are going to be different. You're only going to be able to tell who they are from the, the numbers on the back of their helmet because they're going to be wearing numbers of the opponent every week. So um, I think it's important to note that as well, Chris. Definitely. And I think that's the other thing you got to keep in perspective, too, is, you know, stuff like that, like the scrimmages, you're getting a look at pretty much everybody that you think could theoretically play at some point in the season. Um, you know, it's not necessarily just the guys that we talk about on the podcast, and on the message boards and in the articles that, you know, Rutgers fans know they're going to see. So that also colors things as well. If you're the head coach, Greg Schiano, you're, you're taking an assessment of everything and you got to also consider, you know, what's happening behind those guys. But uh, as far as the players that we expect to see on the field week in and week out, um, you know, I think there's room for optimism for Rutgers fans. And I think that this is a unit that um, has some potential to really take some steps forward. Yeah, and that's not a detriment to some of the younger guys because some of them are out there for the first time. You know, you have some freshmen and guys who really haven't been in this situation. And and it, a lot of it is knowing what to do, too, especially on defense, you know, knowing where guys are going to be. You have to get a feel for it. And so you can react quicker when you're thinking out there. You're step slow, a second slow. And, and it takes time to really understand all those nuances of playing the position. And if you heard them speak, it's a, it's a different language than, than what most people are used to hearing when they talk football. So um, that's important to consider, too. But, you know, they have one more scrimmage coming up. I, I don't foresee him using a lot of the the starters, you know, extensively at all by any stretch of the imagination. But so we could see some more of those developmental guys get even more reps. But um, you'll see some guys in there. And there's been some promise in some of those young guys. And I think uh, some of them will, will show up early in the season. They'll start to assert themselves and fans will be like, well, you know, these, these are some of the guys to be excited about. So, um, you know, uh, it's it's exciting at halfway through the camp uh, training camp this year, Chris. And uh, I, I, I think there's a reason to be optimistic. You know, first three games, Northwestern, and you know what's happened there. Um, it, it's not a place that... Uh, yeah, it's not a team I don't think many people are going to root for either on opening day. Um, and Temple and Virginia Tech has been down. So there's a chance to go 3-0 and and really get some momentum behind this thing this year. Yeah, and you've also got Wagner in the month of September as well. So that's a potential, you know, between them and Michigan. Um, you could be looking at potentially Rutgers winning at least four of their first five games if the cards break right. Um, and, of course, Michigan mm-hmm. has been a close game uh, for a couple of the years that uh, since Greg Shano has returned, too. So that... Uh, would be another intriguing matchup. But anyway, you, you put it, the early part of the schedule is really favorable for Rutgers. Um, so mm-hmm. that's where the momentum really has the potential to build. If you can get mm-hmm. off to a good start, I think Rutgers is going to be in a good shape. And, and you know, because once you get, you know, three, four wins, you know, then the pressure comes off a bit when you get to the much more um, strenuous part of the schedule. You say, okay, we need to get, say two wins out of these last however many games at a minimum of course you want to win every game but in life in the big 10 it doesn't often work that way um mm-hmm. but on the flip side if you know things go a little harder than you expect then that's going to make things a little more difficult on the back end but rutgers has mm-hmm. the potential they have the talent they have the ability to start off strong 
And Rutgers hasn't lost a non-conference game uh, since Greg Shano came back. Last two years, they were 3-0. and um, So if Rutgers can repeat that again and then try to build off of that, um, I, I think the early part of the season uh, could be a fun one uh, for Rutgers fans. Yeah, good point. Good point. That's, that's a good place, I think, to leave it. Um, we'll be uh, continue reporting from practice. You know, this week it's a Thursday and a Saturday scrimmage again. So we'll bring you as much as we can from the sidelines in Piscataway. We'll continue to be there every day, myself and Chris, uh, and we'll continue to be on the message boards. Uh, we'll continue to update you with as much articles, as much record stuff as we possibly can. Uh, if you're not a member, please jump on board. We have specials going. We're there 24-7. Uh, we're there to answer your questions on the message board. We're there uh, to just basically talk Rutgers football, Rutgers basketball, and bring you as much as we possibly can. So, Chris Sikonis, I'm Bobby Darren of 24-7 Sports Network and ScarletNation.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again. <laughs>